This podcast is hosted by RPP. The following episode contains coarse language, violent themes, sexual references, and the really creepy stuff. If you're underage, turn off your device. Normal people, Esther, don't just go straight to demonic infestation like we do. Because the government was also freaked out about babies. They might be dealing with a demonic possession. Meanwhile, as she's on top of him, squeezing his throat, she's screaming, who sent him here? And they started to move towards her really fast. What are these? Australian aliens. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. It's me, Gemma, and it's Esther. Hello. Hi, girl. How are you doing? I'm good. What are you eating? I'm eating muesli with fruit and seeds, but I never just straight out of the bag. Straight up, never use milk. I just dry. I'm like a horse. I use fun fact, fact from the freezer. When I was a kid and I had horses, I would, my mum would find me just in the, in the um, stables, just eating all the seeds and pellets and delicious. (laughs) You know what? I think that's a very horsey kid thing to do because, like. I remember my sister when she was a kid, she'd be like, I'm like, what are you feeding that horse? She's like, oh, this is like this and this, this, it's a mix. And she's like, you can eat it too. She like puts a bit in her mouth and she's like, hold some out for me. I'm like, I'm good. Oh, delicious. You should have tried it. <laughs> the best. Yeah, I miss it. Like, There's this one grain chaff. that we used. To, it, it, like protein, good proteins for horses and um, they mix it in with natural seeds, but there was this one I can I can never remember what it was, but it was like bird seed with protein powder into these like clusters. Oh, delicious! I used to eat handfuls. Love to get you a little so, feed bag. Yeah, 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 should and a salt lick. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so listen, last week we uh we we both left our stories on a cliffhanger. Yeah, we did. Big time. Mine, like, the thing about Bigfoot is, you, 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 like, you could just have a whole podcast just on Bigfoot because there's so much stuff. Well, there's no conclusion, is there? There's no conclusion and there's so many experiences that have been reported and that kind of thing. So there was kind of, like, this whole sort of aspect of, like, Bigfoot that I'm, I'm just going to do on its own episode, like, like a certain type of Bigfoot because, like, all yep. these different areas have these kind of, like, you know, the monster of the well and freaking, mm. you know, the, the creature of the black lake and mm. whatever. And it's like, technically they're Bigfoot, but like I, some of them, there was just so many stories. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, it's going to do that for its own episode. So do you have a fact from the freezer? Facts from the freezer. Facts from the freezer. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, there's a company that turns dead bodies into an ocean reef. That's cool, isn't it? What do you mean? For those who romanticise a burial at sea, the company Eternal Reefs offer an innovative solution. It mixes the cremated remains of a person with the concrete to with concrete to create a pearl in, onto which loved ones can etch. Wait, this has nothing. A pearl? A pearl is not a bloody r- ocean reef. Like, let me. Okay, the pearl is then encased in a reef ball 
that is dropped into the sea where it provides a new habitat for fish and other sea life, helping encourage a vibrant ecosystem. That's cool. So you get turned into a pearl and then the pearl turns into reef. So then the, the, the fishies and everything like, and the mosses like underwater, what do you call it? Like, you know, like little seaweeds and stuff sort of grows off it and stuff. Yeah. It somehow turns into a reef. You get to live your, your best life under the water. To me, that would be a nightmare. I petrified. Um, I have already, have I told you what I want done with my body? I don't think so. Okay, guys, this is, um, this will be in my will one day, but I'll just say it now just in case. I want, and this is serious. I want my, okay. I've seen some Tibetan monks. Uh, they, they, their body is left on the side of a cliff and birds come and eat the body and they fly away. And it's like a new. Right. Yeah. 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 I want to be eaten by cats so that I can not only feed cats, but I can relive myself into the souls of many other cats, even though I know I'd come out as poop. But right now I would love to be doing that. I feel like I'm having a deja vu. I'm sure we've had this conversation before. I tell everyone. remember this. I think I've been to this conversation in a parallel world. I've probably just told you, mate. (laughs) So eaten by cats. Okay. Would that not render the cats then inhospitable to human contact? Like, you know, like if a shark eats a person, they go hunt the shark. If a crocodile eats a person, they go hunt the crocodile. If a tiger attacks a person at the zoo, they kill the tiger. Oh, no, I would be. For blood. I, would, I wouldn't just have my body just out on a side street. I wouldn't just have my body sitting at the back of some side street in Fitzroy. No. So it would be a carefully selected. Uh, I would simply be either put into like meow mix or, you know, um, Tasty Toms or whatever. Casserole? Yeah, yeah, mince meat. You get it at your local supermarket and I'd be offered to cats. To me, it's beautiful. It's romantic. Is it? <laughs> or I would like to be put into fireworks and exploded. That's easier. I think that is easier. Yeah. I think the legal, because that's a thing already. I'm sure of it. Is it? God damn I'm it. sure it's a thing already. Okay. All right. Yeah, fair enough. All right. What's your fact from the freezer? So, uh, how random is this? There are no dinosaur fossils in Florida. Because during the dinosaur age, the Florida Peninsula was underwater, so it was totally non-existent as a landmass. Ooh. Or there were Casey Anthony's back in the day that just hid all the fossils in the boot of their cars. With the pizza. Yes. That's dark. (laughs) Well, it's the truth. She's such a dick. Yeah, she's crazy. Mm. You know she wants kids. Jesus. She she wants to have a baby again. How about no? Yeah. The devil. Yeah. Can't trust her. Oh. All right, let's let's do this, shall we? Let's do it. Who do wants to go first? You can go first this time. Okay. So we left off on the Patterson Gimlin film, which is the super famous um, you know, Bigfoot piece of footage from the 6 from 1967. Personally, I think it's a hoax. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to think that it's real, but just finding out the background of the guys that made it, and it, it, in uh, particular Roger Patterson, mm. I just think 
I think it's a hoax, I, I honestly. And I think I, I don't think that Bob Gimlin was in on it. I think that Roger sorted it out, got a guy in a really good suit. Would you call it a good suit? I think it helps that the the, the video is quite grainy because it's 1967. Mm. It's almost like, okay, look, if you play guitar and you hook it up to a really good distortion pedal, no one knows if you're actually a crap player. That's very true. <laughs> I agree with that. It's kind of the same thing with the Patterson Gimlin video. It's just so grainy. Yep. No one's ever going to know. Mm. Okay, so we're coming up. So we've gone from like the 1850s all, all the way up to like the 70s. Let's talk now about the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. This is the BFRO. BFRO. And it's kind of like the big sort of Bigfoot research uh, group within the world. Mm-hmm. So it's dedicated to researching Bigfoot. It's based in the U.S. and it's a little bit kind of like Bufora or Mufon. Like you know, if you see mm. a UFO, that's where you, that's who you call, or that's where you write your email to say I had, a, I saw a thing. Yep. Um. So on the BFRO website, which, if I'm honest, it's kind of it's very budget. I'm going to look it up. It's like it's, it's not a high-tech website at all. It says, it has always been the policy of the BFRO to study the species in ways that will not physically harm them, which is good because a lot of times you'll see these Bigfoot documentaries and people are like, oh, so I chased it so I could shoot it or, you know, I shot at it and then when I went out to it, it was gone or whatever. Like people mm. are very quick to shoot Bigfoot. Mm. But the BFRO are not about that life, which I'm really happy about. So the BFRO website says on the homepage, founded in 1995, the only scientific research organization exploring the Bigfoot Sasquatch mystery, which I think I think that indicates to me that there's a little bit of kind of like shade within the Bigfoot community um, because I've watched documentaries where there are other Bigfoot organizations, but I think there's a little bit of you know how sometimes in paranormal, like, one paranormal group will kind of, like, be enemies with another paranormal group? Yeah, and there's always one person that has to be the one that's opposed, like, has to see proof. Yeah. I'm on the website now, and you're right, it looks like it was designed in the early 2000s. It's Yeah, right? It's pretty basic. Anyway, so it has catalogued Bigfoot sightings in the United States and Canada stretching back to 1921, which is around about the time that we were talking about um, the Ape Canyon experience Mm -hmm. and also um, the guy that got carried away in his sleeping bag. So a PhD candidate in geography at Penn State called Joshua um, Stevens consolidated a total of 3,313 sightings from 20. 20, uh, sorry, from 1921 to 2013, based on the BFRO research, and then he mapped out and graphed all the sightings to look for patterns. And it definitely shows that most sightings were taking place in the Pacific Northwest, um, closely followed by the area around Texas and Florida. So the BFRO information shows that Bigfoot sightings, uh, sighting reports increased gradually within the first decade of the 2000s. But for some reason, um, we, we don't know why it sort of spiked around that time. I mean, like, um, is it because people had, like, you know, access to cameras on their phones mm. or anything like that? 
But then after around about 2010, they started declining. And I'm wondering if it's because the cameras on our phones got so good that any hoax Mm. that is going to happen would have to be so good Mm. because, you know, we've got these like high res like cameras on our phones now. Um, anyway, so following on where we left off from, with the Patterson-Gimlin video last week, it's interesting to note that in 1969, Skamania County in Washington, Skamania, sorry, Skamania County, <laughs> um, passed an ordinance making it a felony to kill Bigfoot. Good, good. Also, just a little fact that I ran across um, as well. According to Live Science, three in ten Americans believe in Bigfoot. So let's move on to the 1980s sightings. So Paul Freeman was a former U.S. uh, Forest Service patrolman, and he was also really into squatching, you know, going out, (laughs) camping on the land, howling, knocking on trees. It would be lovely. I think it would be great to do. I think it would be quite cool. I'm not I'm not that much of an outdoorsy person, but if it was to to find Bigfoot, I would be up for that. Oh yeah. So in June 1982, he reported seeing Sasquatch in the area and um a week later he he and another serviceman took casts of large hand and footprints. Now they were um in Washington state in the Blue Mountains. It's actually the border of Oregon and Washington State, so it's like prime Bigfoot, com- you know, country. Um, because of the because the casts were quite detailed, many people think it's real Bigfoot evidence. Uh, anthropologist George Krantz from Washington State University and a founding member of the International Society of Cryptozoology studied the prints and said the ridge and furrow pattern is something that seems to be beyond the the ability for anyone to fake Mm, see that's interesting he also said that he got a police person a police officer police person a police person police gal um to uh who was a fingerprinting expert to look at the print at the the casts and told him the the ridges could not have been made by a human pushing their fingers into the print so you can forget. What about that. a what about a like a really detailed? No, I guess it'd be hard to make a replica of fingerprints, wouldn't it? Well, that's it. How are you going to do it? Mm. What year did this happen? Eighty-two. Ooh, that's interesting. He also said the ridges were exactly the kind that you would expect in a primate. Ah, oh, damn! Do you have these photos? The photo was, it was from a newspaper, so it's black and white. I mean, you can't actually see the ridges, mm. but you can see the cast itself. Mm. Um, anyway, so things didn't turn out quite so great for Freeman professionally because he'd had these casts made. Everybody knew that he was going on about Bigfoot and he was like, you know, this forest ranger. Uh, and he got, it was in the newspaper and all that type of thing. So he ended up resigning from the Forest Service a month after the sightings because the publicity was getting a bit much. But he said that he would continue to find evidence of Sasquatch. But that's not all the Bigfoot effort evidence that Freeman got. In 1994, he was filming some Bigfoot prints in the forest and demonstrating how big they were with rulers, like, you know, for scale. Mm-hmm. 
and he was also casting them with plaster. He then takes footage of a Bigfoot in the distance in the forest and then after looking for it, looking for it for a while, he says, because in the video, I watched the video and he's like, oh, there it is, there it is. And then he watches it for a bit and then he goes, oh, there's two of them. So it's pretty blurry. I wasn't super convinced by this video. Mm. Um, You can't really see much. And the video continues to divide the Bigfoot community. Have they ever found bodies? Like dead dead feet? No, and there's a number of reasons that they say that there there are no bodies of Bigfoot. They they say things like, oh, they... um, they disintegrate really fast and blah, blah, blah. And because they're so elusive, they're going to be in places that you're, they're not human, easy mm. to get to by human people. So that's why we're never going to find human um, Bigfoot remains. I don't know. The reasons why that we fi- don't find Bigfoot bodies, the reasons that they give, I find are a little bit thin, to be honest yeah. with you. I like to believe that they're interdimensional beings and when they die, they get flashed back to their original dimension. I mean, that's a cool theory, but if they're just a missing link to the, you know, the chain of what, homo, what are we, sapiens? To me, they wouldn't have any supernatural abilities. It's just about looking for the carcass of a big dead monkey. Yeah, you would think. The whole, like, oh, they, you know... They're, they're going to climb into a crevice that's hard to find. Humans can't do that. Well, I don't know about you, but I think people seem more limber than the footage we've seen of, quote-unquote, footage we've seen of Bigfoot. I, I just, something that big, like, you find bare bodies. You find bare bodies, uh, you know, birds, eagles, horses, whatever. Why not Bigfoot? Yeah, yeah, that's where I that's where I get stumped. Yep. Yep. So in 2007, a hunter named Rick Jacobs fixed a night vision camera to a tree so he could keep track of deer in the Ale- I'm going to butcher this. Mm-hmm. Allegheny National Forest, which is 115 miles northeast of Pittsburgh. He caught an image of a creature that looks like, to me, it looks like a big chimpanzee. And it's sort of half walking with its arms hanging down like they're really long, as if it's kind of like half walking on back legs and half walking on front legs. That's that's what the picture looks like to me. Um, Jacob said, I've been hunting for years and I've never seen anything like this. He contacted the BFRO to let them know of the images and they think it's a juvenile Sasquatch. However, the Pennsylvania Game Commission thinks it was a bear with mange. See, that's another thing. We spoke about this last week, didn't we? That's another thing as well. Exactly. The bear with mange theory. Yeah. But it's like, it's got these like quite strong, muscular, really long forearms. It definitely mm. looks like an ape-like creature to me. Whether it's a Bigfoot, I don't know. Um, But I also think, like, there's a lot of Americans, like, having watching shows, having watched shows like Tiger King, there's Mm. a lot of Americans that have wild animals that are not supposed to be in the US. And you've got to presume that every now and again they're just going to set them free. Oh, well, that's that's been a confirmed thing. Like, a lot of 
you know, cases of seeing um, giant cats and stuff in the wild is purely from even like old circuses and, yeah, you know, that have just released them back into the wild. But I that photo you, you were talking about, I'm looking at it now. Yeah. What do you think? I think it's it's quite creepy, but I think it could it could be a it could be a bear, but like then again, it has very human legs. Like it's real weird. It could be a bear, but its torso is really short. Do you think it could be a chimpanzee? It definitely looks like a chimp. I th- I think it's a chimp. It's or a chimp weird, like though. I think it's a pet that's been set into the forest. This could be the closest resemble like live it like if this is legit, if this is a real photo which it looks like it, that could be a Bigfoot. But then again, it could easily be it could easily be a monkey. But its fur is it it's it does look a bit mangy, but it has the same texture as a chimp. Exactly. That real thick, long. They don't have like thick gorilla fur. No, you can see its skin, but it still looks yeah. very coarse. This is the photo of he's like his arms are touching the ground, and he's kind of taking a step with his hind legs and his back is quite like his shoulders are quite round and there's like a tree right behind him. Yeah. It, yeah. 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 It. The tree's right behind him. It looks pretty. Li- this is, I've never seen this photo before and we'll post it on the Instagram guys, but it looks pretty legit to me. This is the most realistic thing I've seen out of all the Bigfoot photos. It could very well be a tri- a chimp, but it looks, okay. it looks legit to me. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Awesome. Okay, so the next one that we're going to talk about is called the Beard Card Video. So in 2012, a YouTube user called, who's known only as Beard Card, posted a video taken when he and his family were at a place called Provo Canyon in Utah. Mm -hmm. They were camping and the video first shows they're like sneakers. You know how like people start a video and they're kind of looking down at their device. Very Blair Witch. Like I'm very I'm Blair Witch. recording, but you're looking up through my perspective. And I'm, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then it pans up towards a forested hill mm. and there's a blackish creature behind the trees mm-hmm. and they think it's a bear. Um, and at first you can't really see anything mm. and a lot of, the Sasquatch community call this blob squatch. Right. Um, apparently that's a word that's used. They're like, you know, if they see a video, it's like, nah, don't worry. It's just a blob squatch. Like mm-hmm. you can't see anything. And then you realize like they're obviously focusing on something in the forest and you're like, what? I can't see anything. And then you realize there's some sort of furry black creature sitting in the forest. And then all of a sudden it rises up on two feet and the video goes all shaky because they're running away. Um, that to a- me is like, again, why would you, how far away are they from this, from, from the Bigfoot? Well, I don't know exactly. He said, he said we had actually been standing there for a while. We thought it was a bear up to that point, but when it stood up and looked at us, it was just a massive animal. Um, he estimated it was eight or nine feet tall. 
It didn't say exactly how far away he was. I mean, judging from the video, they were probably, I don't know, 20 metres. It wasn't that far. It was just the problem was the the trees were kind of in the way and it was. Yeah. I just think the whole, like, as soon as it stands up, let's run and, like, the, that's, that's, that, that would be your moment to be filming. But, I mean, then again, that's like saying, you know, you look like you're guilty because you're, you're not crying over this victim. Exactly. You can't, you can't victim blame someone for reacting the way they did. But at the same time, it's like just at that moment where you could have actually had something really significant, that's when you remove the footage. I don't know. It just doesn't – it's really hard. Like, Because at the end of the day, it's a wild animal and you don't know what it's going to do. Exactly. Like, like, we can't real. judge, but yeah. I think you would have sat around a few seconds longer and just filmed it standing up. I don't know. Yeah. So something that interesting that was pointed out in the life science article that I read is that the video was posted the day before Halloween. So mm. you don't know if that was kind of like something to just, I don't know, almost play a prank on people. Yeah. Um, and it was also a couple of weeks before the premiere of the third season of the reality TV show Finding Bigfoot. Ah, the hype. You know, we're like, you know, it's like getting like, people thinking about it. Yeah, they're trying to get people thinking about Bigfoot in the news and that kind of thing. And another show that have recently premiered as well was a show um, on the Spike Network that offered $10 million the largest cash prize in television history for irrefutable proof of Bigfoot. So that's a, like a reality TV show competition. Uh, and I, I'm going to presume that they have never provided that proof because otherwise we would have heard about it by now. And that was the TV show? Did it ever even air? Like what a waste of a show. Did people watch an entire season and be like, cool, nothing? I, I think I've seen it. Um, I've, I've seen it pop up on Amazon. Wow. Um, or or one of one of the streaming services. How would they end that? Would they be like next season once again we don't crown anyone because no one's given us proof? I think the fact that I think they're pretty comfortable in the knowledge that that they'll no never have to give away gonna... 10 mil. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. I guess that's a good a good incentive, right? Yeah. Like we don't even this studio has no access to ten million dollars, but we'll we'll make it sound like we're wealthy. It's a pretty like yeah, because I don't know they must have some kind of anonymous benefactor or something that's kind of you know how like really really wealthy people like they can put their money in crazy places and they could be like hey look I've got ten million dollars totally if you, if you give me a full frontal of a Bigfoot. Right in front of my face, I will give you ten million dollars, but it's got to be—it's got to be credible. So let me tell you about another sighting, and this is actually—I think this is my favorite Bigfoot sighting. Like Ooh. this is—I I really like this one. So in October 2013, a video was shot near the Mississippi town of Tunica. The poster uh, of the video, his name was Josh Highcliffe. And he put it on the video uh, on he put it on YouTube and titled it, "I think I saw a skunk ape. Please help." A skunk ape, right? What? So the skunk ape is the more southern version of Bigfoot, um, and it's 
And some people say it's not really Bigfoot, but I, I like to think it's kind of like the Southern Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, they tend to be smaller than you kind of Oregon Bigfoot. They're about seven, uh, five to seven feet tall, whereas the other ones from up north tend to be more like six to ten feet tall. And they're found in Florida, Texas, and Georgia. They say it smells really bad. Okay. And it has red glowing eyes. Uh, and in some reports that I've read, it has longer hair um, than other Bigfoot. And sometimes it's called the Florida Bigfoot or the Swamp Ape. And sometimes it's called the Mayaka Ape. Uh, so according to the BFRO, most sightings reported range from the 1960s to today. Um, though folklore of ape-like creatures has existed in the region for longer. And by the way, um, coming back to your question that you had last week about are there any cave paintings of Bigfoot yes. from the Native American people um, or the First Nations people? There are, but I could not find a lot. Like it was all just this one image that was from California. Like there, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of cave paintings of Bigfoot and it was called like the painting cave or something in California. Oh, wow. There's not a lot of info about it. So the Josh Highcliffe video to date has um, 663,000 views and it's the only video on the channel so he's just made this channel he's just put this on there it's not monetized or anything like that he's just put this up saying i think i've seen a skull skunk ape please help so he's kind of in the video so Mm -hmm. it's kind of a very sort of tropical kind of it's very sort of floridian dense forest beautiful i would love to go to florida Oh, me too. See the Everglades. I just, oh, alligators. I love alligators. Um, So he's kind of spying on this creature and it's got the, it's back to the camera and it's maybe about 10 meters away. Mm. And he's, at first I was watching it. I was like, what am I looking at? What am I looking at? And then like, once you see it, you're like, oh shit. He seems, the creature seems to be pulling pieces of wood off a tree stump and hitting the tree with the branches. Whoa. Um, and then, then it's kind of like taking the branches and it kind of like, it sort of falls out of his hand and it falls into the water and then he's like, oh. And then he's just he's just sitting there like messing around with stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it now. He looks like a proper gorilla. It does, right? Totally gorilla. It's got like pretty big like broad shoulders Massive. and stuff and it's just sitting there and it just moves like an animal to me yeah holy moly so towards the end of the video and he sits there kind of spying on it for quite a long time and then all of a sudden the thing gets up on you know two feet and it stands upright and Mm. it's much bigger when it's standing upright and then the video just goes all shaky because this guy is just running away god damn why can't we we need to know we need to know it's very frustrating and he actually says uh i got scared and ran away i wish i stayed to keep taking the movie um and he says that he took it on his hunting property at about 6 p.m and he says i was out hunting hogs just sitting in a part of the swamp i have heard him before it's not too far from a road 
I was wearing hunting camo and just sitting dead still waiting for it to get dark because that's when the hogs come out. I hear a noise behind the tree I was sitting on. I thought it was the hogs. When I got around, I could not believe my own two eyes. There was this huge black thing crouched by a dead cypress about 50 yards away. I thought it was a hog but saw these big shoulders and a head upright with hands. It looked like it was digging out the stump. My first instinct was to run. I did not even think of shooting. Then I know no one will believe me. It was like everything slowed down. I was too scared. I took out my iPhone and started videotaping it. I guess I pushed the record button twice because it stopped blinking red, but I pushed it again. I hear a truck driving down the road and the thing stood up. I was trying to be dead quiet. Then it stood up. I could not control myself and ran. That stump was huge and I guess the sucker was seven feet tall. I'm a hunter and I'm pretty darn good at guessing size. That's no bear. And he goes on to ask, has anyone seen anything like this? Is anyone playing a trick on me? Um, Yeah, and there's, you know, he's basically opening up a conversation about if anyone's seen anything similar, let me know because I don't know what I just saw. So um, I just wanted to end on um, uh, just talking about Finding Bigfoot a little bit because it's my favourite, one of my favourite shows of all time. Um, (laughs) So Finding Bigfoot is pretty much, a reality TV TV show where Bigfoot investigators go out and find Bigfoot. They go out like camping and that kind of thing. Yep. It premiered on Animal Planet in 2011 and it was a pretty big success. They made 100 episodes and they stopped filming in 2018. It follows four researchers trying to get evidence of Bigfoot, including one scientist who is a skeptic. Yes. Uh, and the leader is actually the founder of the BFRO, whose name is Matt Moneymaker. Does and he have a, a beard? A beard? Yep. Yeah. Is he a hairy man too? He's a Yeah, he's a hairy dude. It's funny, all the Bigfoot hunters, they all kind of look like Bigfoot themselves. And you know what? There's a lot of white people saying they saw Bigfoot. Heaps of white people which I think is a clear indication of it being fake. Right? I feel like <laughs> I just, it's just quite hysterical. Like we, we do get quite hysterical, uh, hysterical about stuff. Yeah. Um, but one thing that, that I really liked about Finding Bigfoot is that every week they travel to a different town in the U.S. and sometimes they go overseas as well and they hold a town hall meeting where they ask people to tell their stories of Bigfoot sightings. Mm. And a lot of these towns are pretty rural. Mm. Um, So a lot of them are like hunters, farmers, like they know the difference between like a bear and, you know, like an ape type of creature or a chimpanzee or whatever. Yeah. And then they choose a couple of the people that – 
you know, told their story in the town hall meeting and they go out to investigate the mm. area where they saw it. Um, and then sometimes they do like an overnight or they spend a couple of nights out there and they've got like um, night vision cameras and they've got like heat um, heat cameras mm. and drones and all sorts of stuff. And it's just, it's a really good show. If you want to sit and binge watch something like for an entire Sunday, watch Finding Bigfoot. Oh, I'll do it after this, girl. I'll do it after this. It's such a good show. It's great. Seriously. (laughs) You should watch um, House of Secrets. We'll we'll look into each other's stories. Oh, I totally will. It's on my list. Good. I've been wanting to watch it this week so bad. Good to do it. (laughs) Anyway, so that is uh, Bigfoot. That's that's my conclusion to the Bigfoot uh, mystery. We have no idea. We're just as confused as we were before you told us everything. Right. (laughs) All right, guys. um, So last week, if you haven't listened, you definitely should because this won't make sense. But um, Mm -hmm. I'm doing part two of the Barari case. Deaths, um, warning, trigger warning, 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 warning. Um, so last week, let me look at my notes. I've got pages, pages of color-coded notes. So last week we we got up to the part where they had just found the diaries. We were starting to kind of get an idea of Lilith and what his character was like. Obviously, uh, police had found eleven bodies in an in a little two-story house in Barari. Uh, which is um, Sant Nagar, which is an area in um, Delhi, tiny little close-knit neighbourhood. Yep, they found 11 bodies hanging. And at this point, people are fighting over if it's suicide, if it's murder, if it's... They have no idea. So let's get to... Still, this case is very... Like Bigfoot, we don't have a set conclusion. What? Now yeah. you tell me. Mm-hmm. Sorry to break it to you, but I see this is a very interesting case because it gives everyone who's studying it or listening or watching a chance to really come away from it and think, what what the hell is this? And um, I want to know everyone's opinions, especially sure. if you look up the video because you start to get the whole vibe of what the crime scene looked like and it's shocking. Um, so what we got up to last week, they had found the diaries, um, that each person had written. Yeah. So did even the kids write a diary? They saw that it was the handwriting of two of the girls, Priyanka and Neetu, I'm pretty sure just from memory. So that was their writing. They were transcribing what Lilith was telling them. So I, um, I can't really remember what I, what did we get up to last week? Uh, so you told us about how the pipes outside and they were saying that the pipes actually had no use. Oh, we got up to the pipes. Okay. All right. Yes. Sorry guys. We got up to the pipes. So the police started investigating, they started reading these diaries. We have 11 diaries that, that wrote, they lodged 11 years worth of instructions from Lilit. So they soon found out that the diaries had been written um, 
by two of the young girls from Lilith transcribing them, right? Like a cult leader. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, transcribe my, what, yep. his thoughts? Yep, so I'll tell you what, let's go, let's have a little, a, more of a deep dive into Lilith, okay? Because that, this is where the shit hits the fan. Okay. So when Lilith was a kid, he was super, super spoiled. Um, he was very cheeky. He was naughty. He was described as being very naive. naive. Um, his parents, his dad gave him everything. He, his dad it was a farmer. Um, they made a, quite a, a lot of money, but later on he spent all that money on his, his kids' weddings. And then at the end of the weddings, he had no money. So that's why he sold his farm and he ended up moving to Delhi. So when Lilith was a kid, he, he got everything, you know. In right. 1988, Lilith had an accident on a motorbike, which landed him in hospital for a few days for ser- serious head injuries. Okay, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. He would randomly fall asleep mid-conversation. What? He'd just fall asleep. Yeah, just fall asleep. Oh, like um, like narcolepsy. Narcolepsy. Yeah, I don't know if it was actually narcolepsy. I think it was just a um after fe- after effect of having a serious head injury. Oh, how bizarre! Yep. Then in two thousand and four, Lilith was attacked at his place of work, so at his plywood shop. Right. He was attacked by they think it was an ex-employee who didn't get paid properly. But um, they, so that he had a, a fight during the day and then later that day, I think two or three guys came back, uh, attacked him, then locked him inside this building and then lit it on fire, right? Oh. Uh, he woke up during the fire and found that he was covered in plywood and he couldn't get out and he, he was actually unconscious. Uh, after- oh, this is the fire. You did mention yes. a, you alluded to a fire last week yeah so this is it they thought he was dead and he had breathed in so much smoke that it had entered his lungs it had damaged all his voice box uh his vocal his throat sorry not his voice box and he just stopped talking right wow and people just assumed oh he's lost his voice from the fire right even when his son was born, Lilith didn't say a word. Whoa. People seriously believed he had permanently lost his voice. Doctors said that this was highly unlikely unless they had a stroke, bleed of the brain, disease or trauma uh, directly associated with the voice box, but he didn't. Um, but they didn't, again, they didn't get it checked. P- the family just assumed Lilith lost his voice. He was mute. Right. Um, Psychologists believe that this attack gave Lilith extreme PTSD and that he didn't move past it or talk about, especially seeing as though he became mute, so he had no one to talk to. Mm -hmm. And that maybe, now that everyone is studying Lilith, that was his way of processing trauma, was just to shut off and to just stop speaking. Which is completely understandable, but at the same time, I kind of don't blame the family for believing that, you know, his esophagus or his lungs had been so damaged by the smoke. Completely. You kind of can't really blame them for thinking that. No, you can't, right? And psychological literature suggests that when a person has gone through a fair amount of trauma, 
And if they're not treated for that trauma, a certain level of psychosis sets in. And spawning from this psychosis um, was Lilith starting to hear voices, right? So do you think that's a coping mechanism? I don't think it was a coping mechanism. I think it was a direct result from untreated PTSD. I think, But, like, do you think that the brain, in a way, to deal with that trauma, to, you know, the brain invents things like voices or invents fake memories? Totally. It could those types of things. Totally be that. Totally be that. It could, you know, maybe it triggered a schizophrenic, gene that had been laying dormant in that family gene we don't know we don't know yeah yeah um and then to top that off Lilith's father dies so that's another extreme trauma that Mm -hmm. he they didn't really work through especially with Lilith because he already had heaps of issues that people were just oh he's a quiet guy he's mature like he can't speak because he's, he's been damaged from a fire, so no one really talk, spoke about it. So after the father died, Lilith started hearing voices and soon realised that they were the voices of the father. Okay. They started The voices started telling Lilith exclusively that if he prayed every night at 10pm, then his voice, Lilith's voice would come back. So he started praying at 10 p.m. Then he started getting family members to pray, I think it was like 7 a.m. in the morning, 12 in the afternoon, then 10 p.m. at night. And not mm-hmm. not only like, you know, typical you think of Christians praying. These were loud. They were almost singing pray- prayers. They were like right? chanting. Yeah, the whole family joined. The whole family joined. Wow. And then one day Lilith just started singing along. And everyone shut up. It took, mind you, it took a whole year. And Lilith just started okay. singing. He was singing prayer. And everyone stopped and he kind of looked around like, I didn't even realize. Wow. Okay. Yep. So they started seeing Lilith's conversations with his late father as having merit because they thought, oh my God, his voice has come back. And it took a year, but it, it's, it seems kind of legit. And every whatever Lilith said that his dad was telling him, there would be a positive reward. Like, if you do this, this this will then happen and it'll be good. So everyone was like, oh, okay. You know, um, they their family started making profit. Um they were they were making savings, they were having success with the store. Um the the kids were getting married, like they were getting engaged. Shit was starting so, to happen. So Lilith was telling the family messages that he was getting from his father, who's the patriarch of the entire family. Yeah. Yep. And they're almost like, it's, it's almost like a good luck omen when he tells him something. They were completely, completely like, he. They, in their words, um, daddy is going to speak through Lilith tonight. We have okay. to, and it has to be transcribed into the diaries. And then right. whatever advice that daddy gives us, we have to follow this week or tomorrow or the next day. And then he'll come back at a certain time. He'll come back every Tuesday or Monday, you know, like, and he'll tell us if we've done good or if we've done bad. 
Okay, I'm getting massive like cult vibes. Oh, we'll get to that girl. Um, so not only the, did this give Lilith a godlike figure, um, mm. but it kind of made him a little bit scary as well, which gave him authority and power. So he turned like from- if he can hear from the dead. What else can yeah, he do? He totally had a power, and people were like, uh, because the shit he was saying was lining up, and they were going, "Whoa!" Right? It, it made it scary, and people like the family were following instructions. And yeah. mind you, they did not tell anyone outside of this. There's there's witnesses that were colleagues with, I think it was Priyanka, who was super educated, um, and she did not speak a word of what was going on at home. She did yeah, not... didn't you say that she was like a psychologist or that she had a degree in psychology? Uh, one of them had Tina, so Lilith's wife, had masters in sociology, I'm pretty sure, and Priyanka worked for a really successful company. And she was she was climbing her way to the top. Like she she was yeah. directly under the CEO or something. Like she was getting there. She was doing well. I wonder why they kept it all quiet in whether he was telling them, you've got to keep this quiet. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm I, pretty sure he was saying this just stays between us. Because generally, like, this type of thing happens. It's um, a way to recruit more members into the group. Yep. And to create more followers. Yeah, well, this this comes back. So I'll 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 say it now because I'll probably forget knowing me, but Lilith was so secure with this group of family members, this eleven family members. He did not want anyone entering or leaving. This was it. So okay, a lot of people think a lot of psychologists actually think that. So Priyanka was, um, they had just had an engagement party for Priyanka. I think it was like 14 days before the ritual or the ceremony. And in that footage of the engagement party, Lilith was extremely withdrawn. He seemed super depressed. Witnesses were saying, yeah, Lilith didn't speak. He was really weird. And a lot of psychologists are now saying that that could have been the catalyst for the ritual to begin Um, because Lilith was scared that Priyanka was going to leave that family and he wanted to keep everyone together. That's really interesting to me because in other cults there's kind of like there's this gradual um, like in uh, Jim Jones mm. and in Heaven's Gate. Mm. They collect people over years and years and years and say they have 100 people or mm. 200 people or whatever. Mm. They collect all these people and then they find out which ones are the real true followers and then towards the end they will discard the people that are not, you know, the obsessive followers and then it sort of ends in their final whatever they're going to yeah. do, their mass suicide or whatever it is. But totally. this guy seems to have completely bypassed that whole process. He's not looking for followers. He's just he wants the ones that he's got. Yep, and that's it. And, you know, he fits. This scenario does fit a cult because um, – a lot of successful cult leaders, for example, they have one thing in common is they can usually do something <clears throat> that's either some sort of miracle or it's supernatural or it's something, you know. Yeah. Lilith was communicating, quote-unquote, communicating with the dead. Jim Jones vibes of, um, you know, the woman that comes in in the wheelchair and all of a sudden she's dancing and clapping her hands in the church. Totally. 
Totally. Yep. And for them to believe that, that that's what they started going, holy shit, was when he regained his voice. Right. Okay. So let's get to the diaries. So these diaries um, were described as having instructional language. A lot of the time, scolding language. They were okay. being told off. So lots of do this, you must. Yep. Otherwise there'll be repercussions. Like it's very sort of dictatorial. Yep. Each morning, each family member would check the notes for their routine for the day, who was needing to pray that night, who had done something wrong. Some notes also hinted at the occult and witchcraft. That's super interesting. It seemed that there was another weird presence within the notes instructing the family on what to do and what to not do. So I'll read some examples of the note, of the diary entries yeah. in a minute because they're, they're yeah. pretty – the documentary gives you a really good uh, viewpoint of how they're written. It won't come across as good in, in my voice, obviously, because I'm, you know, but um, definitely check out the documentary. The first entry in the diary was around September 2007, right after the father's death, and it was thing it, they had written things like, you are making Lilith very anxious, or follow Lilith's instructions, otherwise there will be repercussions. If you want solutions to your problems, then follow Lilith's instructions. That's around that time is when the police were like, okay, we're kind of we're catching on to what this situation is actually you know, accumulating to. I wonder how he was communicating these instructions when he wasn't speaking. Um, no, he was, this is, he started, he only started writing the diaries once he started hearing the voices, which was after he, he regained his voice. So okay, right. he was telling the girls who were the scribes, this is what I'm, you know, just write it directly down. And he told them, I started hearing my father's voice telling me to pray. I, I pray, literally think I he was. Voice, and then he started the diaries. I think, yeah, I think he just would, he, he just, apparently his voice would change. Um, and it actually sounded like the dad's voice. And from what I'm gathering, he would just, he'd go into a trance and he'd start speaking and the girls would just write it down. Okay. Yeah. Um, like a medium he had become a medium for the dad now this is something that this is a quote from one of the diaries after i leave you all you must go to sleep no need for discussions my visitations are not an ordinary occurrence you must not take god's will lightly don't worry about lilith's health my visits affect him physically sleep will heal him tuesday thursday saturday and sunday i will be back Instead of your own will, follow the will of the diaries. Don't think, what is the use? When it actually happens, your eyes will open. Be fully ready. Okay. So you can kind of get the vibe of how it would be quite scary. And you would, like, it would come to, what, um, Tuesday night where everyone would be sitting around in this tiny house going, shit, he's about to, you know, channel our grandfather it would it would right. be scary right and I, I guess enough weird stuff has happened that it's purely coincidental that they're taking as being supernatural in origin yes yep and to spark on from supernatural um 
rumors started to spread in the media that um, once there was obviously people caught wind that there was a ritual performed, the police and media blamed a woman called Gita who happened to be the daughter of the contractor who did the pipes, right? So people were okay, like... back to the pipes. Yeah, so the, the guy who did the pipes, he has a daughter called Gita and I can't remember how, but somehow they linked her to being like the 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 witch doctor the tantric and she she copped hell because they they arrested her they thought she had done it but she was like i'm she's like my kids and i didn't eat for four days because my face was all over the news she's like i had nothing to do with this i had nothing to do with this my dad literally helped he was a contractor for the house there's no spookiness there's nothing like i've nothing to do with this so that that was yeah, a, they've, they've like witch hunted her yeah it was a witch hunt all these good things are happening because you're following the diaries do not disobey my instructions on the diaries do not forget that the vibrations of your old mistakes never end they follow you if you continue to disregard god's warnings god might summon you in person so they're almost becoming threatening at any point are they sort of being bound to the house like you can't go out anymore no they were all doing their own thing they were going to school they were going to work you know They're they had running a shop. yeah doing everything and they would it was just a part of life they'd get up in the morning they'd check the diaries you know there were there were notes in there being like so and so you're drinking too much alcohol it's bad for your health cut down um yeah. Priyanka and Neetu you guys aren't getting along start communicating more there were actual like little life tips like Right. You know, um, help cooking in the kitchen. Uh, your grandmother, or he would say mother, because technically um, the dad was married to the 80-year-old woman, so Lalit would call, you know, your mother. Very, quite confusing. Um, you know, she's yeah, old, help her. Yeah, supposed to be the grandma. Yeah. The grandpa, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but they so started really, seeing... It's really just observations that anyone in the house could have had. Oh, completely. But they were they were seeing merit because things were starting to line up for them. Right. Know? They would. Everyone was doing well. Now, um, looking at the actual case, psychologists and criminologists and investigators, they were all looking at these diaries, going, "It still doesn't quite make sense." Um extensively questioned were how the kids managed to be um, included in this mass hanging. Um, they were educated. Yeah. They were young. They had. They were in the age bracket and in the modern time frame. You know, this is what, only 2018, where kids are questioning actions being made by adults. Um, how could the teenagers... And also they're less superstitious. Yeah, yeah. And there's footage of these kids and they're just like any other kid, you know. Just There's there's footage of them at weddings and they've got big, like, brand watches and they're posing and they're doing, like, signs. With their, right. You know, they're like kids we see down in the street. It's, yeah, yeah. They weren't these little, like, church-going kids who Minions. were completely naive. They had their own, you know. One of the girls was seeing a guy. There were there were things that just don't line up. Yeah. Um, the autopsy then revealed that the grandmother had died 
of partially being strangled. So this is, they're starting to look at the, the finer details and think, well, there are, there are domino effects, but it isn't quite leaning towards everyone participating. You know what I mean? So it right. was that like, mm, could be murder. She could have put up a fight. Yep. I like this one quote. People started to question where faith ended and where does delusion start? So really, yeah. were they just, were they following, was Lilith actually channeling something supernatural or was this just a very mentally ill man who had authority over his family? I know what I believe, but a lot of people, a lot of people. Or could it be a it? case of almost like group hysteria? Yep. Yeah, well, yes, keep that in mind. Okay. So on the 30th of June, the ritual had already started. So this is, they were doing a ritual that would last, it was the banyan tree ritual. Remember I told you in the beginning they had the bodies look like vines of a banyan tree? So in the diaries, the dad actually said, you're going to perform a ritual called the banyan tree ritual. Perform the banyan tree ritual for the next seven days. The text suggests that they had to behave like the roots hanging from a banyan tree. They'd even written the times, saying the ritual needed to, t- to take place at around 1am. Perform the, bad, the B-A-D-H, bad, ritual for seven consecutive days. If someone visits the home, it has to be performed the next day. Nothing should be visible. Dim light should be used. The eyes should be completely shut. The blindfold should be properly tied on the eyes. The mouth should be gagged by a handkerchief. The state of mind has to be zero. Nothing but infinity. While you are standing at attention, imagine the branches of the tree are wrapping themselves around you. Perform the banyan tree ritual and unity with unity and determination. This will help repent for your mistakes. Okay, that's a bit... Uh, that's a lot. Yep. So what they were actually... to do that with a noose around your neck? So I'll tell you what the banyan tree ritual actually was for, okay? God is pleased with you, knowing that 11 of you are standing on, in one line with one thought. Do not panic while performing the banyan tree ritual. The earth might shake or the skies might tremble. Do not let this weaken your resolve. Convince the children to keep chanting. The chanting may last up from 5 to 15 minutes. Till the chanting lasts, Lilith will protect you all. The responsibility of tying everyone has been assigned to one of you. When all the binds are secure, then Lilith will give a signal with a stick. Place a tumbler full of water nearby. Just as the colour of the water changes, I will come back. So they believed that if they perform this ritual for seven straight days on mm. the final final act of the ritual, which is the banyan tree, the dad was going to come back and he was going to untie everyone. Yeah. Right. He was going to save them. That's a pretty intricate ritual. Completely. Like- Don't consider these evening prayers a joke and stay away from people what you have been Stay away from people that have been you have been forbidden to talk to. Every time you default, Lilith, Tina, Shivam have to pay the price. But you always forget that. It's a blessing that God is making you aware of your mistakes. 
this year will be your last. So psychologists, um, criminologists, doctors, they all started making connections that this whole routine, this whole ritual had been brewing in Lilith's head for years. Mm. He had planned the entire thing. Yeah. This seems like the kind of thing that sort of, it doesn't just pop up overnight. Like this seems like something that he had not only thought of, but he probably actually really, really believed in his head. Completely. So the father was meant to, the the father had promised he would rock up in the final act. And that's the only reason why everyone agreed to do this. They, none of them thought they were actually going to die. So what, what um, investigators, they found that Lalit and Tina's binds were different from everyone else's. Lalit had left restraints. Sorry. Lalit's restraints um, were very loose. Uh, He had, he had just put his hands in wire. Tina's knots were loose. So that's when they started to think Tina and Lilith had done everything first. Oh, they had tied everyone up first. They had gagged everyone. That's when they mm-hmm. think that Lilith or Tina had partially strangled the grandmother in the room because if you see the photos, you can. it is possible to hang yourself just by sitting down and having something tied to your neck, tied to a doorknob or something, but she... She had marks like she had been really forced. Again, the photos of Lilith's hands, they're just, there's just like wire that he could easily have slipped out of. Soon the media caught on and started publishing that Lilith instigated the entire thing and that he had instigated, uh, he had directed the whole family to commit mass suicide. And I mean, that's the way it's looking. Completely, completely. So not, on- not only was that um, the way it was looking, but unfortunately with Indian media is they like to, it's very super theatrical. I don't know if you guys have seen the Indian drama that a lot of people make fun of, of like the girl, she, she gets slapped or something and she rolls across, she rolls like 10 meters across the floor and then gets Into her neck the stuck in the curtain and yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone's like, ah, the, right. the footage that they played of this family was horrendously disrespectful. It had like, Every night it was like, who killed, you know, is this suicidal murder? And then it has the entire family with nooses around their neck. Like they were just dramatizing everything, which like which made dramatic. it, yeah, which made it more unreal to everyone. So everyone was like, already this is so scary and so bizarre that yeah. every conclusion that police would come up, up with, the public would be like, nah, there's got to be more to it. There's got to be more to it. Like there's, you know, now there's a tantric involved now there's ghosts now there's you know schizophrenia yeah so many conspiracies but at the end of the day psychologists we've got we've really we've only got a few options as to what this actually was and this is why it's so interesting this case is so interesting right they either think it was accidental death so a ritual that had just gone wrong at the hands of someone who was very mentally ill. But then the grandma. It doesn't make sense. Exactly. Or, and this is the one I am fascinated with, is shared psychosis, which has been noted in throughout history. It's a thing when a 100%. tight unit of people are housed together yeah. and one of the members becomes psychotic, it can not catch not like a disease but it can be shared there's cases of twins who have gone through 
psychosis and the other twin who apparently is fine starts sharing the same behavioural patterns as the twin who's psychotic. That's where I'm standing. Yep. And it's really tricky because at the end of the day, yes, it could have been accidental death of people who believe someone who's mentally ill and he did murder them. But looking at it through a perspective of a, like a philosophy, like um, phys- philosophical, philosophical, philosophical um, viewpoints, it's like if you're a willing participant, does that make you, are you committing suicide if, you're, if you believe that you're being brought back to life? Or if you're a willing participant, are you being murdered by the person who right. is helping you do this? But then again, if you believe that you're not going to actually die, is it an accident? But then you have the, the situation where the grandmother was strangled. Mm-hmm. Does that make it murder? And if does that make it murder if Lilith was so mentally ill that he didn't know what the fuck was he, he was doing? And the it, it's just, to me, it's a massive reflection of the mental health system in India um, because it's not, again, this case in India today has dropped off the planet. People have really? forgotten about it. It's like a, uh, it's like a what's next in the news. Right. You know? Wow. The, the, they just, there was no definite conclusion, so people have kind of like, moved on from it but you know even jonestown today you know 50 years later even jonestown is referred to as the last mass the largest mass suicide in uh, america's history Mm. it's not referred to as a mass murder exactly exactly this is the thing is like if you're a willing participant but you're the information you've gained from your leader is incorrect slash false slash under the impression is it, influence can of it, mental illness. Yeah, can it really be classified as suicide? Exactly. Exactly. So this whole case needs to be deep dived into because there's just there 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 are literally they interviewed I think maybe five or six psychologists in just in this one Netflix special and all of them have different they or they're all shaking their heads and they're like we don't know if it's shared psychosis. We don't know if it counts as murder. We don't know if it's suicide. We have It's just an example of mental illness that was not treated and then a family of very willing participants or, or loyal people who fully were like, this is legit. But then again, like, how do we know that? We had no information. Like, did we know that Priyanka and Neetu were secretly going, Lilith's crazy, but we're scared of him? Like, was Tina right. in on it? Tina's Lilith's wife, and she wasn't mentally ill, but she was she was all for tying up the rest of the family. But then again, was it shared psychosis? Was she completely believing what Lilith was saying as, you know, she he's a medium for the dad? We don't know. And it's so friggin' interesting. And, you, and frustrating. Very frustrating because you, again, you just I watched that I still now I'm speechless. I've I've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve pages 
of script. I've watched mm-hmm. documentaries. I've looked at the video. I've listened to psychologists, criminologists, surgeons who worked on throat specialists. Um, the the head of the autop the friggin coroner. The coroner. The woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the police that were involved. All of them have different opinions. All. Some of them go, yeah, it was murder. Some go, it was suicide. Some go, shared psychosis. Others go, we don't have a fucking clue. It's yeah. crazy, guys. Like, Can I ask a question? And I'm not sure if you've already answered this. Um, which night of the ritual did the deaths happen? Was it the night one? Night. Oh, it was on night seven. Night seven. It was the final, final night. And that's like you see all the footage of them preparing for it. They're all like having a joke and having a laugh, taking the stools up to the, really? to the room. Really? The kids are like there's there's footage from one of the neighbors who was a kid and he's like I asked yeah I asked the boys to come and play on the night of their death and they're like now nah, we'll do it another time. I wonder why they were picking stools up only on the last night. Because they were I think they were performing the ritual at one a.m. in the morning, and they were just getting shit. They probably worked all day and you know they would they were. But why didn't they use stools? In nights one through six, because this was the final hanging routine. But weren't they every night? Weren't they there with the bones and everything? No, and the... I think they were just praying for seven days, and the final day was the banyan tree one. Oh, I all... thought I thought it was every night they had to be the banyan vines. I I don't think I think they were praying every night. They were they were burning stuff every night, like. The final night they found in the little temple area, there were there was fresh ash. So I think they were burning shit and getting ready. And then that final night, that last hour was when the dad was meant to rock up. It's interesting how much um, power there is in things like chanting mm. and 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 group group chanting prayer. Like it almost like gets to a point of like I don't know if you've ever like chanted with Buddhists or anything mm. like that there's like a really weird sort of powerful element to it. And I don't know if it's got something to do with you're using so much oxygen on mm. chanting that maybe you're <laughs> not breathing enough to your brain or something like that, but it's almost like a euphoric kind of experience. Oh, completely. You think of people at concerts and stadiums and they everyone you get into like the, I don't know, maybe if it's a human thing, like it's a, the yeah. rhythm and the um, – including everyone in this one moment. Yeah. But totally, I totally, you know, totally. I'm just wondering if, like, you know, in the lead-up to this Night 7, they've just been chanting so feverishly Mm. that it's just got to this point where they are, like, hysterical as a group. Probably, yeah. they've worked themselves up into this belief that if they want to bring back this grandfather, like they have to bring themselves to the point of death and then he will come back and save them all. Yeah, yeah. Well, they said like their mouths were the, gagged, their ears were, were blocked, their eyes were blocked and they were still being told to chant, which would make you feel dizzy and sick and the notes in the diary specifically said just keep chanting until something happens. I wonder happens. why they put the dog on the roof. Probably because they, I don't know, they didn't want a dog running around barking and 
messing anything up because I think Lilith fully believed the dead was coming back too. So I th everyone was completely participating and expecting for it to be over in 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Insane. But guys, check out the show Secret um, House of Secrets on Netflix. There's the um, there's so many episodes uh, on YouTube of people covering this case. Again, there's a video floating around. It's hardcore. That's a super interesting case and tragic case as well. Oh, it's heartbreaking, but it's very very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and hopefully something can be learned from it for the future. Oh, definitely. Hopefully the, um, like a lot of countries, the mental health system is improved, you know. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you, um, everyone, for listening. Until next time, guys, be creepy. But don't be a creep. <laughs> I know you love Bigfoot. And I reckon. I do. Mothman and Bigfoot. I just freaking love them. You love <laughs> big, humanoid, hairy creatures. They're my vibe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm more into like Spring Hill Jack and. You're a bit more rock and roll. A bit more sly. Yeah. Cryptids, I like, are a little bit more banjo playing. You're like the. You look like the cryptids are like, oh, Gemma, let's go play. And I'm more like. <laughs> You know, fiddle me this, fiddle me that, Spring Hill Jack. Tell me exactly, something. yeah. 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 <laughs>